Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online, and you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very excited to have David Landau here with me on the show. You guys know I'm a sucker for all things magical, and since David is the author of a forthcoming seven-part series entitled Magic is Real, I wanted to get him on the show stat to get a sneak peek into what he's conjuring up. Hey there, David. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to be here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm so uh, so glad you, you flew in on your, your broomstick and decided to drop a few spells. <laughs> Ever since our mutual friend Justin uh, Fairman from Conscious Lifestyle Magazine actually was on the show, what, maybe a year ago or so, uh, connected us. And as soon as he, you know, I started talking to you a little bit, saw what you're up to, I was like, yes, 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 definitely got to have you on. So yeah, man, been looking to, forward to this for quite some time. Sweet. Same. It's funny that you mentioned the broomstick example because one of the very first books I ever read on magic was a book by an author named Silver Ravenwolf called To Ride a Silver Broomstick. And uh, I I think I read it at 14 in like the the mystical section of Borders when they were still around. And it was full of all this stuff and maybe some of it will, will come back here. Beautiful. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm kind of surprised I use that example too. I would think, uh, you know, a crystal ball or uh, I have a wizard staff literally or sorcerer staff, as I like to refer to it, sitting right above my head that I made that I take to festivals and whatnot. Literally, it's like floating above me now. So to think I would have went to one of those props first, but maybe it's because of your silver broomstick. Um, but uh, yeah. Okay. So I like to start off at the same spot. I always ask the same question. Um, pretty predictable. I always start and end with the same questions. And the, the question I like to always start off with is you're in an elevator. Guy next to you says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? 
I'd say my, my passion is uncovering the truth of how this reality operates, understanding that magic is real, and through intention, awareness, and emotional energy, we can focus and collapse the quantum wave function to affect the probability of what's going to happen next, which means we can hack the holographic matrix of 3D reality, which also means anything we really want to happen and we believe will happen can happen and we can experience it, and that's magic in 10 seconds. Is that, that yeah you've got like you that was like 30 floors worth of information in two <laughs> definitely a man, a man after my own heart all right so let's start uh let's back up we already touched a little bit on you being 14 how did you end up on this path tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here yeah so i i literally just turned 33 and i i've been on this path this life happy birthday thank you um, Jesus year. Whoa. My, my whole life. Happy 3d reincarnation. Happy 3d incarnation anniversary is what I like to always thank say you, to people. Thank you so That's much. My little- yeah. My, my <laughs> other selves and my other lives now feel included. <laughs> uh, we don't want to leave anyone out. It's, it's been this whole life. You know, it's funny. I, rem- I remember a past life as a pirate boy. I remember a past life as a matron of a brothel. And if you go back far enough, oh, wow. you're like, wow, there's a whole cast of characters in there. Um, But this whole life, magic has been a thing for me. When I was five, the first Halloween I remember, I was a magician. Um, When I was a teenager, I was interested in psychology and Buddhism a little bit, but magic a lot more. Um, And so there really hasn't been a time when I didn't enjoy visualizing fantastic things or reading fantasy books, but I I always knew deep down that magic was real. Um, And so I started exploring it more seriously once um, once I was 12 and 13 and started reading books and talking to people and figuring out, okay, obviously there's no unicorns flying around with laser beams or dragons and broomsticks. Maybe that exists, <laughs> but it probably doesn't. What, what is real? What is the difference between truth and fiction, metaphor and fact? Um, and so from 12 to 16, I had my first training phase. Um, I got trained in Reiki. I got trained in Qigong. I got trained in a few different types of occult systems um, between Wicca and divination and channeling and a whole bunch of things, some that had traditions and religions behind them, but most of them didn't because I, I wanted to be independent of any one school of thought. I wanted to blend them all together and get to the basis for what is magic and what's the, the lake that all these rivers have in common. Um, hmm. And then I actually did what I felt like was a 10-year samsara from Herman Hesse's Siddhartha, a great book on the Buddha, is I, I did startups for 10, 13 years. I did all this business stuff. I stepped away. And my, my bigger deep dive was um, when I turned 30, I had two near-death experiences back-to-back. And Wow. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my liver almost gave out, my heart almost gave out, and that was pretty scary. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, uh, I can imagine. It, it's fine, though. Like, I set a very powerful intention or spell when I was 14 that if I didn't follow my intuition and wasn't on my path of my highest self for life to remind me. Um, and it, it definitely reminded me those nights in the hospital. Wow, that's intense. And so this, uh, this most recent leg is um, all, these, all the Western doctors failed. The Silicon Valley billionaire said, see this amazing energy healer in Santa Cruz. I saw her. I eventually could start to feel what she did when she waved her hands around me and made strange noises. Um, and then I mm-hmm. dove back into studying. And then I just had so many experiences. I'm like, all right, this is not only my life path, but one that, that makes sense in the real world, which is, was the fear right. I had before that moment. 
Wow, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. So your your near death experiences were these near death experiences, as in you know uh, out of body near death experience type. You know, go to the other side. You know, have some sort of experience with a lost loved one or uh, you know ascended master or whatever it is. Or was this just something that shook you up uh, so much that you sort of reevaluated? So I wish they were that dramatic, but. What my actual experience was, was just a very mundane series of events. Um, later on, yeah, I got to experience astral projection. I, I've chatted with and received Shaktipat from Babaji and Thoth and other ascended masters, and it's, it's a wonderful experience. Um, but what I've always wanted was experiences I could share with people for the benefit of other folks, not just you know to have something for, for specialness, which is a distraction and an illusion and a massive ego trip. Um, and so the liver thing was... Um, it actually happened after my first TED Talk, where I talked all about supplements and the value of biohacking and you know different types of herbs and modafinil and Adderall before the Adderall was known as meth, um, and all the really, really right. great values of biohacking, Tim, Tim Ferriss, Dave Asprey, all that stuff. And I got to the point right. where I was taking 150 pills a day, and I just didn't research the interactions. So I was taking, I think at one point, six blood thinners and 14 stimulants, and I didn't really know it. Wow. Um, and so that plus working full steam ahead for 10 years with no vacations, I burnt out, and I was borderline liver failure, and the doctor's like, stop everything. You can take fish oil, but stop everything else and you know, do these other things. So I, I did that. I, I kind of got over that, um, and then I had an issue with my heart, and that was, um, that was pretty intense too. And that actually gave me um, like pretty standard PTSD for a year and a half. So it was a journey which I was hit with all these major things to heal from. And that healing journey made me want to learn why did everything happen and how could I heal it faster and prevent it. Um, and right. that just brought me back into these materials, which objectively I feel are the most efficient way to learn how to heal and optimize the human body. Wow, that's quite the journey. So now uh, the journey has taken us to the point of writing uh, not a one, two, or three part series, a seven part series. Um, what what is going to be? Is this like the book that's a thousand years, thousands of years from now is going to be on the shelf in some uh, you know dingy opium den type place that someone's like, oh, here's the book that David Landau wrote all those years ago. Dust it off, <laughs> all the spells. If we have shelves and dust in a thousand years, then we probably fail <laughs> We've the magicians, right? <laughs> We probably will. We'll have virtual reality versions of you know that experience. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, you'll you'll go in the in the library, which is a vocabulary <laughs> term people have to look up because it is, is hasn't been used much from the last five hundred years. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm here to serve humanity. I'm here to do my thing. If if this is remembered, great. But the the stuff in this book, even the stuff that I, I wrote and edited last month, is leagues above orders of magnitude above the stuff that I wrote and channeled two years ago. So honestly, I hope and expect that some version of this material will be here. And I more expect it than hope it. But I, I don't know if it'll be mine. Because even myself, I, I'm, you know, they say the best, if you need competition, the best, the best um, partner or opponent is yourself. So I, I hope to outdo myself and con constantly make revisions and updates. But I'm also talking about stuff that isn't unique to me or my journey, my experience or my studies, or even the English language. 
Um, the stuff I, I tap into is the stuff that is timeless. The stuff is about the fundamental nature of reality. So whether it's me or some other author or some collections of authors, um, I expect it'll be there. Um, do I think my stuff will be out there? You know, I, I can sense that timeline, um, but it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. far out. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to place too many big bets on specifics just yet. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I like that. I like the way you look at that. So let's talk about what's in it then. If, whether you, whether I'm the only one that reads it, me and you, or whether it's uh, for, for, for eons, what, what are the seven parts? What, what are you breaking down in here? Can you give us some, some insight, some, uh, you know, a little peek? Yeah, for sure. So um, in the two questions, so there's seven books, what, what is each about? And I think the beginning question, what is the first book about? Um, so the second question is actually easier and simpler, so we'll cover that first. So the first book is a collection of my experiences and some very high-level transmissions and what magic is and some very mm-hmm. basic and fundamental tools people can use, like how to sense your energy if you haven't sensed chi before, how to recognize a logical fallacy so you're not engaging in self-delusion when you think something is magical, but it's, it's not, and you're fooling yourself, mm-hmm. and it's wishful thinking. Um, and so it's it's really just the foundations and the fundamentals of magic and miracles and this, the science of all that and um, hopefully some good transmissions because a lot of it is channeled. Um, the second book is going to be a continuation. When you Can I stop you there real quick before you go into the second one? When you say a lot of it is channeled, so you're going into a state where you, you know, are, are you saying channeled as in there's some entity that is coming through you or as in you're tapping into, you know, your higher self and you're sort of having a download of information? Because, you know, you have the people out there who, who okay, I channel, you know, this you know, I channel Abraham, I channel Bashar, I channel whatever it is. There's, and, and then, you know, you have the people who are saying, as I feel like I receive oftentimes where it's like blocks of information or downloads, I don't necessarily identify it with anything other than, hey, information is coming to me from somewhere and it's my higher self, you know, whatever, the, the Akashic records, I don't, whatever you call it. So I'm curious in your case, when you say the word channel, what exactly you mean? So the, the answer to all three questions, including Akashic records is yes. And it depends on perspective. So from a seventh seventh dimensional perspective, if you use a map where the seventh dimension is unity, um, all aspects of existence, whether it's a snail or a knife or another person or Thoth or the flying spaghetti monster are your higher self because we are God. We're Mm. working to realize that and reintegrate as one connected oneness. Um, And so in that abstract sense, everything is your higher self. Now, breaking stuff down into sixth density, fifth density, and then the fourth density that we can conceptualize, the astral plane with non-physical beings or beings that have bodies of energy and light, but that most of us can't perceive, even if our pineal gland's a little bit open. Um, What I tell people who are curious about the authorship for the chapters that are channeled from a 4D perspective is that um, there's currently five sources that have come through. Um, one is a bunch of folks that just identify as the Galactic Federation. Um, and so there's a mm-hmm. lot of lot of people I know who who tap into that. And that's kind of a, you know, like a, a collection of, you know, super smart humans who may or may not be in human-looking bodies who communicate telepathically. Um, mm-hmm. Another source is different Ascended Masters and different Archangels that kind of, it, it's more of a category of a source. Um, so I don't say I work with Melchizedek or I work with, 
guag plarp or whatever you know whatever beings like Bashar <laughs> never heard great. of that one yeah right Bashar he says hi by the way <laughs> <laughs> oh that's nice of him nice to meet you <laughs> hey nice to meet you too. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey fella <laughs> yeah and as a quick aside like one of the subtitles of the book is have fun with spirituality and I think people don't really do that like JP Sears is I'm with you I am so with you on that. He's great in throwing in a little bit of humor, but he, he's got one style and we need a lot more. And we need to be able to like yeah. take the broomsticks and even like take all the crazy sexual jokes and other type of humor and make this stuff things that we can access that feel part of life. Because magic is part of life. It's not something reserved for a temple or, you know, one day of the year. I love you're saying that because I literally just had this conversation last week with someone who wants to pursue comedy. And it's always been like uh, one of my favorite things in the world. I, I look back at old yearbooks and like people comment on you're the funniest person I know. And, you know, always making humor such a big part of my life and doing the same type of work uh, that you're doing, why we're, which is exactly why we're connecting, of course, on the show. I, I've seen myself maybe not inject humor as much into my show as is really a part of me. So so literally like two episodes ago, I do daily episodes, I did this whole confession of coming out about my obsession and I made it really dramatic. And, you know, then it, I, <laughs> so I had this thing where I just constantly reference meatloaf all the time, like just randomly for years and years and years. My close friends know this. So I did this on the show. I have this confession, guys, and I made it really dramatic. And it's like, I'm, you know, I've got an addiction. It's meatloaf. And then I go on, I go on. Yeah, this is like a real big buildup. Then I go on and, and, and then say you know it's just something about the way he sings and so they think it's the the, the meat and it's actually the singer when really it's both because i just obsessively talk about it for some reason and interject it anywhere i can so it's so awesome that you are bringing this topic up right now because i've been feeling the exact same thing it's like get silly with it if that's how you're feeling like taking ourselves so seriously is is problematic almost right it's like this life is not meant to be lived that way it's so problematic there, there are there's a couple religions and there, there's big ones and so to be respectful for the good parts of them i won't name them we'll, we'll call them donkeyism and donkeyism because <laughs> i'm looking at a picture it says don't um nobody likes a smart and it's a picture of a donkey or an ass and i have it up in the room uh, right right so followers of donkeyism often have guilt and they call it donkey guilt and you know replace donkey with your your religious really religion of choice and there's guilt right. around sex, there's guilt around power, there's guilt around money, and it's all this BS programming, and we, we can get into who wrote that program and what its purpose is and who benefits from it, but for, for our value right now, it's all that programming that for most of us was unconscious, involuntary, and from our childhoods. And the second we know that, that we can step back and be a witness of that, we can say, whoa, do I want the same programming? I don't think so. And if you ask anybody who's explored Tantra, yeah. which is combining energy work and sex and manifestation, like, yeah, why, why have something, sexual activity, that just has one specific bucket when there's many other areas it can apply and be useful? Or maybe to take something a little bit less sensitive for some people based on people's backgrounds and, and comfort, you can take prayer. Like, people feel, by, by and large, this is a huge generalization, that prayer is something that should only be done in church or at funerals, or on your own, quiet, in solitude, and it has to be done a certain way to the right being, and you can ask or not ask, and there's all these rules. And 
I think that mm-hmm. that's, that's BS. Well, if you're my dad, you start speaking in old English for some reason right, when right. you say prayers. <laughs> it's just like I don't have the I don't have the heart to tell him the, the Bible wasn't written in old English, but you know. <laughs> who knows? You know, if, if that if that boosts his connection, the original anyway. his soul, and that that helps take his prayers to the giant train of miracle wishes and. I hope they throw out presents and manifest for him. You know, whatever works, right? Yeah, I hope they they hear the prayers and just on a whim decide, yes, I like you, sure, or no, I'm not going to give it to you because I don't like you. Hopefully he catches someone up there in a good mood. Yeah, true, true. You get one of the flying spaghetti monster's tentacles and it just happens to be the right one on his good day. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, I took you on a total tangent. You were, you were going into the second... The second um, uh, part of your book, and I just had to like jump all over the the humor thing because it's so timely. It's literally what's the fact that you jumped on it. You feel warm. You can stay here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's all this channeled stuff, and one of the things that I found was very interesting about writing what I felt is a critical foundation of magic for anybody written in language anybody can understand is not just talking about the light, not just talking about abundance and positivity and love and how do you summon the frequency of joy? How do you fulfill your wishes and what is the law of attraction really? And what is karma and all that stuff. But if you look at true magic, the stuff that we think is not quite impossible, but so close to impossible, you're not sure if you can allow yourself the bandwidth to wish for it to be true, but deep down you hope it's true, and deeper than that at some level you know it's true. Like like mm-hmm. that part of you, if you want to be able to do any type of magic whatsoever, um, the most efficient way is through unity consciousness, which goes back to your mentioning of aren't every single being an aspect of our higher self, including you and I, reflections of each other. And it's simultaneously right. true that you're an individual being with free will and consciousness, as am I, and we are one, depending on the lens and the Divine dimension. Divine dichotomy, right? Yeah, or relative yeah. truths. True, yeah. And a great author on that is uh, Larry Dossie, who wrote a book called One Mind, which has a ton of research on this topic, if anybody's interested. Hmm. Um, so going, going back to the unity thing, what I realized from writing this book is there is a lot of light, but there is also a lot of darkness that wanted to be expressed. Um, and at one point, when I was in Damanhur, and I, I purchased a magical item that I actually sell through them as a distributor for them, um, called an Atlantean Pentacle, which has all these really cool mystical symbols, which will be on my website soon. Now, you're going to have to tell everyone what Damanhur is. I'm, I'm familiar, but I bet a lot of people aren't. But you decide when, but just at some point, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch the timer. We'll get into it. Just, just for the quick version, it's a magical city in Italy that's very closely tied to Atlantis. Um, so in, in looking at unity consciousness, you know, there is no good, there is no bad, there is no evil, there is no anything. All is one and all is perfect. And that's so abstract, like the concept of infinity, we, we can get close to it. But as soon as you go there, like as soon as you try to use a word, you limit the definition. But when, when a magical thing happens, so let's get concrete for a second. There were times when it was raining. I touched, I went towards unity. I felt the part of the clouds that were me. I pulled back, the rain stopped. Or um, Hmm. there was a a being, actually my dad, he was near death. The kidney doctor said his kidneys pretty much failed. He only dialysis for life. I got in a state of just knowing and feeling the part of myself that was also that body and working properly. And the same doctor came up 15 minutes later and he said, I don't know what happened. His kidneys started working again. He won't need dialysis. He'll be fine. 
and the countless other wow. things. Some, some a lot more flashy, like a, a floating light in my room and some a lot more subtle, like a, a synchronicity or a, a funny one. Like I'm, I'm with a friend and we're, we make a strange sound at the moment we make the sound, a light that was off goes on at that exact moment. Like there's, there's all sorts of random magic, but at the moments of intentional magic, you actually have to get so close to unity where you and the object of your focus kind of merge and you feel the shift happening because it's also you that is shifting. Now there's a lot of magical systems um, that, that work differently that work with, days of the week, months of the year, lighting candles, ruins, special words. But the highest type of magic, the most efficient, is when you can touch unity. And what I realized is some of the chapters, and I'm, I'm clear about which, were actually channeled, one in particular, by a demon. And when I set out to write oh, this wow. book, yeah, I thought, okay, I'll work with light beings, I'll work with helpers, I'll, I'll share useful stuff, but I'm not going to mess with dark forces, I don't want to hurt anybody. And that was my judgment on them. But from a unity perspective, right. there, there is no bad. They're a part of the whole that is necessary for the rest to exist and be what it is. Totally. And for somebody reading this book or listening to the audio version when that's done, they're, they're not of risk because I took appropriate precautions with myself, with the transmission, with the editing to make sure that the, the transmission got through. But it's not like there's some insidious being who's trying to reach out and, and mess people up. Um, but what I also talk about in, in the book is fear can manifest just as much as love. Um, and the point of right. including chapters on darkness is to give people an opportunity to face their fear. Like there may be one or more readers who heard what I said and were like, whoa, stay away from this guy. But at their core, yeah. if that's based on fear, that's just an opportunity for you to transmit that fear with love and trust. And if you can do that, that is your most powerful tool as a magician, wizard, sorcerer, witch, sorceress. Um, Cthulhu channel, like whatever. That is the most powerful tool <laughs> spiritually and magically is is love. And it's one of those things that yeah. you, only, you only get once you wield it. It's, it's a sort of abstraction that once you see its power, you're like, oh, that, hell yes. Yeah. Yeah, it transmutes everything. And it it is, you know, very cliche, but so true. It's the answer, you know, my favorite quote, love is the answer. Now, what was the question? It is... You know, the, it is the, it transmutes any and all things, uh, ultimately. And so I'm really curious though, with this, uh, this part of your series of the book that is coming from shadow, if you will, uh, what exactly sort of information was coming through? What is, what is that like? Is it in stark contrast to the rest, rest of the book or does it flow perfectly? Like what's it like? The, the core takeaway of, we'll call it the demon chapter was that all beings want to achieve ascension. As humans, for us, most people's idea of ascension is you're an ascended master, you can part the seas, levitate rocks, heal people with a finger snap, and fly around and be one with God and feel bliss and joy and see across time and choose reincarnation and all, all those really, really cool superpowers um, of all the spiritual leaders we've ever heard about and the ones still alive today. But what, right. is, what is it like to ascend if you're on the black side of the yin yang. And so that right. is, it's eventually returning to unity. And so how does a being mm -hmm. in darkness return to unity? Do they go to some thing of suffering? Well, at, at unity, at the event horizon of the black hole, suffering ceases. 
And so how do you, right. how do you get there if you're in the darkness and love and forgiveness don't come common? And so, um, so I, I shouldn't name the demon here because na- names have power. So we'll just call him demon, demon guy. <laughs> so, so demon guy was like, and I'm, I'm giving very casual language. His language is like very kind of formal and intense and might, might rise these bumps and I can pull up a quote if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in this. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so to actually, I'll, let me find it really quick. Um, yeah, sure. So instead of paraphrasing, this is transmutation. This is alchemy of the divine. The emotional body serves me. I am its master. To transmute the ingredients of joy and anger in a stew, to truly demonstrate expertise in this, is to claim dominion over the frequency that is emotion. Wow. Powerful. Yeah, super powerful. And so dominion and domination were things in there. I mean, if, if you think of hell, and I remember part of my past lives in hell, um, there isn't like hugs and cuddles. There is hierarchies and there's beings whipping other beings and there's, there's domination and there's suffering and to be dominated by a being means that being is more powerful than you. And so the fact that I essentially dominated this demon, I mean, my my middle name Solomon for a reason, um, (laughs) he, he, he kind of recognized that dominance. And so he, he shared a few things. And so how, how essentially demons ascend and how your inner demons can ascend, which anybody can call the shadow or any of the infinite synonyms out there is by recognizing their valid part of the whole, but not more than that. So you, you may have an alternator in your car, but you don't use that alternator as a cup holder. And so, right. so being comfortable with the fact that demons exist, yet just like an alternator, you can, you can understand how those forces can coexist with the forces of peacefulness and with archangels can allow you to drive and driving is magic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, now seems like a good time to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I have ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting the Positive Head podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting this show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. They have a plethora of amazing content to always keep your positive head spinning. For example, in the brand new series, Beyond the Legend, best-selling author of Chariot of the Gods, Eric Von Daniken, takes us beyond the myths and legends that have shaped our view of history to present an alternate view of historical events, megalithic structures, and archaeological discoveries. Eric's been researching this stuff for over 50 years, so if you've ever wanted to deep dive into these sorts of topics uh, that you're just not going to find on traditional networks, Eric is doing just that on Beyond the Legend. And that's just one example of fascinating content you can find on Gaia. As you all hear me constantly say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. 
let's see, man. There's so many different directions we can go from here. Um, I've got this list of different things I want to ask you and which ones to ask you in the Dude, time. Let's, let's talk for um, two hours and make it two episodes. I'm game. Yeah, I love that idea. I love that idea. So uh, you started touching on some some experiences that you've had with magic, uh, personal experiences with uh, cities or spiritual abilities. What do, what do you know about that sort of stuff? Uh, have you have you seen yourself developing abilities as you've continued down this path? And and you know, yeah, share some of that. So the the most let's see the most recent one was one that I had heard of um, some beings with a lot of evolution demonstrating. And even in those words, I, I feel my own self-doubt for my own abilities. And, and like I'm, I'm choosing to, I, I chose to represent it in a certain way, or I could say my ego did and, and pushed me out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. But the most recent one was actually last week. Um, I had a friend, we'll, we'll call him Alex, to, you know, for his kindness of identity, and Alex mm-hmm. had um, a concern of a fear of failure. And he, he had a startup and he was trying to get it funded and he was trying to get clients and trying to get them to pay. And despite lots and lots of good traction in other areas, there was just a big shortage of money. And if the money hadn't manifested or wouldn't manifest, a core member of the team would leave and likely the company would collapse. Um, and mm-hmm. so I had done money magic in the past. It's something I teach in workshops and coach on one-on-one. Um, the first two money rituals I did, one $80,000 contract that was denied got put through. Another time I did it for a job and I got a job offer for 200000 base plus benefits. Um, and so as wow. background info for this, isn't you know money ritual cool, yay, another part of magic, money's great. But it was realizing that Alex's fear of failure was something I overcame in the past. So as I was teaching him and sharing with him and guiding him through exercises to recognize a part of himself that perpetuated that belief, I realized in that moment that I could take on that karma. And I did. And I actually felt for a few days, fear of failure in, in my own endeavors. So you could say, wow. you know, that isn't as flashy as levitating a rock or affecting the weather, affecting animals who are creating a chocolate smell or reading somebody's mind or seeing it uh-huh. in the future. I've done all that stuff. Or I could say that stuff was done through me or experienced by my ego, however you want to call it. But right. The taking on of karma is something that a lot of times um, is done by somebody with more developed spiritual abilities to help students, to help friends, and work out that karma through their body. Um, so this happened to me just last week. Wow. And so you you voluntarily offered to take on and go through this process. This wasn't something that you like, oh, I accidentally did this. You willingly said, okay, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. willing to take on this yeah, karma. Yeah, magic doesn't happen by accidents. I mean, Wayne Dyer had it right. Intention is... is uh, if magic, um, you know, if you broke it down as an acronym, the I in magic, you could you could put intention in there. So in, in right. this case, as within all other cases, I, David Solomon Landau, wasn't the core initiator. I had the idea and I had the willingness, but I was also moved and I was also provided and I was also nudged a little bit and offered by many other higher level forces that also helped it be done properly. Because um, this isn't something wow. that can take like, you know, a Udemy course on taking on karma, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll probably create right, that right, someday. Right. If anybody... Probably not your first stop off on your magical, getting your, your magical, magical chops, chops down, right? It's, it's funny because in doing that and in witnessing it, I now understand how to teach it. And um, I could just write a chapter, but I'd prefer as if a few people say, hey, do a webinar on taking on karma, and then we'll just record it. And then boom, there's a Udemy class. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. So this stuff happens all the time. And I think a lot of people 
wait for the label of magic or miracle for something that they themselves define. Like, oh, if you don't shoot rainbow sparkles out of your hand, it's not magic. Um, and then, <laughs> let me tell you, I've, I've had blue light in the shape of a one inch thick 67% opacity and Photoshop standards beam of light come out of my hand and a witness saw it. And somebody could say, wow. whoa, that's a miracle. And I'm like, yo, it's just a bunch of electromagnetic energy plus a slight opening of the third eye pineal gland, which allows you to see in other dimensions that physicists have confirmed. You can call it magic right. or you can call it science, <laughs> whatever helps you right. on your journey. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That really brings it down to earth for the people who are listening to this, who are so scientifically slanted and, you know, they're thinking, okay, I already know Brandon is uh, already uh, a little out there and now we've got David on the show and now they both completely blasted off together. That's exactly right. I mean, it's like science, it's it's like, it's things we don't yet understand, right? It's like uh, reality is stranger than fiction and we're just continually uncovering more and more and more and, you know, it's it's like even quite who what quantum physicist was talking about um oh he's like if you if you haven't if you don't understand uh quantum mechanics or haven't explored it uh oh, what did he say he's like you don't fully understand if you're not like freaked out by it essentially so uh, you know it's it's true and i think at least more and more people are now starting to open up to some of these ideas that they once you know once were so closed off to think thankfully yeah, for sure, man. It's um, it's something which is so needed in this day and age because for centuries we had a church or a synagogue or a mosque, and all those organizations serve many wonderful purposes. And I wish they would triple in number, triple in number with good leadership. Um, but it used to be you go to this religious place or this holy place, and they say, "Here's what a miracle is, and here's how to experience it, and here's what it means, and here's all the mystery." And if if they had bad leadership you're a bad person, so give us money and go jump in water or some other you know, ritual to be purified. And now we're like, oh, cool. There's an explanation to this and all of us can access it. Now, does that mean everything is explained to the level of detail that we can genetically sequence the bacteria that we re-engineer to produce insulin as treatment for people with diabetes? No, we're not at that level yet. If we were, we would probably be more advanced than Atlantis. And a lot is known about Atlantis um, in places like Diamond Heart that I mentioned and elsewhere. So it is also a science that we're uncovering. Yeah. Like you could look at material science and every, every week there's discoveries in material science. How do you get something that is more flexible and lighter and harder? How do you get a computer screen that is, that is like that you can wrap around, but not tear or break? You know, there's always innovations right. in material science and we never assume we know everything. And th the same is true with magic and magical science. I, and I, I always love to say, until you're a floating ball of light that can materialize an elephant's an elephant and make it tap dance, you have more to learn about magic. <laughs> so we have a little ways to go. All right, all right. Well, um, so <laughs> that's funny. I, I actually have a story of somewhat uh, materializing an elephant uh, in a funny way. Okay, I'll share it real quick because it just seems appropriate. So one night I have a Ganesh tapestry in my room. And I'm meditating on this. I decide I'm going to meditate and try and connect with Ganesh. Uh, I uh, meditate on it. Nothing happens. 15 minutes or so. Okay, well, that was cool. It was a cool meditation anyway. Next morning, go to take my son to school. He's like, man, dad, I had the weirdest dream last night. I was walking. I was like in this kind of party and there was these people everywhere. It was like, like an opium den and I was walking through this room and I went to the back room and as I walked in, all that was in this very back kind of cave, dim lit room, you know, opium den kind of scene was a 
an, a man with an elephant head. And he, all I can remember, his eyes were so intense. And he just looking at me and he winked and I woke up. And I'm like, so at the same time I am uh, meditating, trying to connect with Ganesh, he's downstairs asleep having this vivid dream of him. So pretty, pretty darn cool too. There's my, almost getting that elephant to tap dance. He winked, you know what I well, mean? Now, now here, here's what every generation has to do is learn from the younger generation. Because in, right. in one of the best books about science and magic and aliens, all, all things I talk about, is uh, Childhood's End. And this book was taught to people in schools. It was written, I think, in the 60s. And Clark wrote it, Aliens Come to Earth, Teach Us Some Cool Stuff, Help Us Become More Peaceful. And then humanity kind of changes, and the younger generation has these funky powers. And the, the humans, just like humans today, who understand that younger people and kids have abilities we didn't because every generation builds upon the last, the humans and right. th- those of us who are open to that can learn. And those of us who are say, oh, I'm older, therefore I know better. Um, right. Th- the opposite's true. I mean, okay, maybe not in reciting f- memorized facts or in building a nuclear plant or other types of- Knowing how to drive a car because you've done it for 20 years and they haven't done it since their last life. In like, <laughs> in like deeper intuitive spiritual things, like kids know how to breathe. Kids know how to be honest. They know how to imagine. They know how to play- and as adults, we, we forget that in unconditioning processes. So the, the thing about your son and this experience with Ganesh is your son was able to be open to receive a vision. And I would bet mm. that your wanting of the vision and your desire of it and your attachment um, was related to maybe your fear of it not happening, which may have mm. contributed to it not manifesting. However, your faith in the fact that something would happen um, and your just intention to Ganesh as a whole may have contributed to Ganesh still coming to hang out, yet in a in a slightly roundabout way. Right, 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 right. Yeah, pretty, pretty. It was a pretty cool little uh, setup. It's like, okay, we, we, you know, it was it was definitely coming through a back door, right? Uh, so, so I want to you you've talked about Dom and her a few times, and it's. You know, I know a little bit about Dom and her, uh, not a ton. I sh- I've never visited there, but I'd like to hear more about you. You spent some time there and what you learned, you know, this Atlantis connection and what, what, what is going on there? Maybe you can just, uh, you know, yeah, explain totally. a little bit more so, details. Dom and her is pretty much Hogwarts. Um, you don't have a castle. <laughs> you don't have a, you actually have Scottish people, but no, no transfiguration professor that can turn into to a cat, but it is an accessible <laughs> magic school open to the public. And there's a thousand people who live there and they're mainly Italian, about 30% speak English and about 10% speak good English. And there's about 20 to 25 people that if it's a first time visit, you'll be able to talk with just based on people are busy. They have jobs. There's people who work in tourism and tours and people who work internally, just like, you know, in any, in any area. And so Dom and her is integrating the material right. and the spiritual. They, they do tourism. They, they have places where people can stay. They tour these beautiful, massive underground temples. Um, and so Dom and her was founded by a man named uh, Oberto Eraudi, an Italian name. And he took on mm-hmm. the um, animal plant name of Falco Tarasco. And that's a tradition in Dominher. Everybody takes an animal and plant name once they're a citizen. And there's only one snow leopard, for example. So every, everyone's unique. And Falco, from a young boy, had all these abilities. And his biography, which for some reason is on Kobo, but not Kindle, it's excellent. It's just called The Alchemist. He talks about a being named Spear, short for spiral, which was essentially a a glowing, floating spiral 
that taught him magic, along with a guy who came to his house, gave him a chest of books, and as soon as Falco read the stuff in these books, the text disappeared. So what Falco experienced in his youth is like the rapid healing of wounds. Like he was playing with some friends, bow and arrow, they get shot with an arrow, Falco puts his hand on the wound, the gaping wound closes in seconds, the blood stops, the skin is fine. Um, Or telekinetic stuff, or making like playing soccer with friends when he was nine and his friends said, Hey, do magic, help us win. And he made like this big scary face materialize in thin air and scare the goalie. And so goalie, the goalie missed. Um, so I have a strong connection <laughs> with Falco because he's not like, I will wear right white robes. You bow down to me. I will touch your forehead. You will feel bliss. Pay me $10,000. Right. Like right. Falco is just like a grounded guy who his story was, he came from 500 years in the future to help humanity's ascension because Obviously, this planet has a lot of issues <laughs> working through them. And so his, his youth is full of all these stories. Now, Falco founded Dominher in Turin, near, near Turin, Italy. Hold on. He claims to be from the future? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And this, this is all. Interesting. Um, they, they have a ton of. As in, as in, as in, phys- uh, he's physically from the future, as in he traveled physically, not, not like I'm remembering a, pa- a future life the same way you would remember a past life. He and four people alive today actually physically time traveled back in time to Atlantis 13 to 15,000 years ago, um, which is a separate story and also super awesome and a reason to go to see the paintings what? of the guy with the photographic memory who saw Atlantis and painted it. And actually on my Facebook, what? I think I made a public post of that um, a week or two ago. And it's um, November 15th, so I'll, when, I, when my webpage is up. But even if you just Google it, uh, you can find some images. But you know, to, to, to finish telling you the background for like your initial question, so your body has veins, your energy body has meridians, um, your spirit energy body has nadis. So meridians are Chinese, nadis are Indian. Um, and so it has these energy channels. So the earth, Gaia, one living organism, has synchronic lines. And these actually travel throughout the galaxy and planets. They carry information, they carry souls from one life to the next, and they carry the core ingredient of magic, which is probability. And just like all the veins in your body converge to your heart, which is pretty important, all these synchronic lines converge in a specific point on Gaia, on our planet. Now, they used to converge on Tibet, and that actually changed to Dominher. And they also used to be concentrated in India, and they are concentrated still in these places, but their foci, foci of activity is Dominher. And I thought, okay, now the skeptic in me says, how is this not Dominher just wanting to seem important by a map that they drew? Um, right, so I thought, right. Let me be a scientist, and let me go on faith, and let me do a scientific experiment. And I, I can't get into it here because of time, but the magical experiments I did showed that to be valid, and the concentration of magical energies in Dominher is super strong. So what, what is the value of going there? They have five schools. They have healer school, alchemy school, a mystery school, a school of meditation, um, art, and not just art, but like spiritual transmission art, um, and community, like intentional community building. And I run intentional community in uh, Silicon Valley, so that was attractive too. And Dominher's healers are so good that you know I, who have been trained as a healer and have seen dozens of healers, the healers they have there, there's a woman in Cavaluccio who Falco taught and activated. She literally fixed up something with my second chakra five times faster than um, the teacher who before her I thought was the most powerful teacher I knew. So they're very wow. skilled. And e- even for medical tourism, if somebody has something mentally or spiritually going on, um, you know, it might be worth investigating. Um, and so you, know, you go there to study these topics. If you want 
tourism of an area. You know, they're near Milan and they're near Turin. Turin's a little mystical. Milan has under just under 2 million people. Um, and Dom and her, you know, it's like Stephen Strange in the movie Doctor Strange. You're going to kind of a remote part of the world. There's one grocery store. There's one good restaurant. Um, there's dogs running around. There's goats. I was driving to a house where I was staying and there was a wild boar in the road. Like it is kind of rural. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And a- as much they're opening to the world and the wild boars are making friends with the rest of us, um, they're very serious about what they do. And um, their stuff is high quality. And so I'm actually going back there and I'll be going back every two to three months um, because, you know, if you want to master something, you study with other masters and people who are deeply steeped in uh, the science, not a retreat, not a book, not a workshop, but a way of life. And there, there are many places that are closed to the public for um, special purposes. And I, I had access to a few of them um, and it, it's real and it's legit. And for anybody who is energetically sensitive um, at all, um, you know, just, just walk a labyrinth. You don't even have to spend money after you get to Italy. Just walk one of their labyrinths and you will feel something. Yeah, that's what I, I think. Uh, I was actually at, um, uh, I was in Australia and it was, um, what was the place called? It was a crystal, a huge, like tons and tons and tons of crystals at this place. And there was a labyrinth that someone from Dom and Her had actually set up there. And it was connected to Dom and Her in some way, uh, this place. Uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my, off the top of my head, but maybe the Crystal Castle or something, although it wasn't a castle. So I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I can't remember now, but super cool place. And that's how I first learned of it. The, the easiest way to tell if a place is legit or not um, I, I give three three strategies. One is use your rational mind. Like, what are the reviews online? <laughs> you know, do the people yeah, who talk to you do they seem honest, kind, and transparent? And are the are these things that you have a value to? And is is it is it money that you can afford to lose? Um, just like any yeah. program, yeah. workshop, or class, do you feel good about trying it? Um, and the, the second category is what do you feel? And do, do you are you in tune with your intuition? Does your intuition say yes? And then the third is, what do you feel subtly, energetically when you're there? Um, and the last two rely on developing right. other senses. And another aspect of Dominher is they talk about humanity, um, galactic humanity, not just homo sapiens, but humanity once having 22 senses beyond sight and touch and those wow. things. Um, and so they actually work on helping us remember and develop those. And I actually um, walked a special labyrinth in their sacred woods um, to strengthen some of mine. And that was um, pretty much for me worth the price of admission by itself. Really? So how long did you, how long did you spend there? How long, uh, have you, been, did you spend once, you know, have you been multiple times just once? Like what is the, what is the average length that a person's, I mean, some people live there obviously all the time. Were you like living there for an extended period? So they, they have a really good, um, business model for people who want to visit. They have, a half day visit. If you just want to dip your toe in, um, I mm-hmm. knew the first moment I heard of it a little over a year ago from one of my teachers named Reina that I I needed to be in Dom and Her. So the only thing I planned was um, ten days, and I planned a three day visit and a few other custom things based on other stuff they offered. Once I got there, I knew I had to stay longer. And two and a half weeks into my original three week planned stay. Um, I think I misspoke. I think I was thinking about a 10 day visit, but I, I booked it for three weeks because um, I was also just going to work on my book out there was um, uh-huh. I, I asked for three signs, not, not a sign, three strong signs. And I got them. Uh-huh. And so I extended my trip to another five weeks. And so it was my first time. Um, and I stayed five weeks total. 
And one of the signs, um, actually, I'll share two of them. Um, the, the third is um, something I can share later, but not right now. So the first one okay. was I was talking to Horus. So Horus is a divine being deeply connected with Egyptian tradition, and they, they have a lot of Egyptian connection. And back to Atlantis, when Atlantis broke up, a lot of the wise people who knew what was going to happen before the comet hit left and formed Egypt, Sumeria, the Mayans, and the Incas, and parts of China, um, which is why a lot of these civilizations went from nothing to a fully developed system of writing. It's like, where did that come from? Well, it came from yeah. people who were actually on Earth, and there's reasons why we don't remember what was in between, and that, that's a separate story. Um, so one of the, the, the signs was I was talking to Horus telepathically, this nine-foot-tall statue, and at, at one point, without even planning to say this, I just asked, how can I serve you? And the moment that thought became present in my consciousness, there was a big gong. Like they, they had this massive open temple that you can just walk into. There was no ritual, no event, nobody was outside. And this bell that I didn't even know existed gonged so <laughs> loudly that I, I, I just started laughing. Um, the second sign, <laughs> that, that was a really cool sign. And that was a beautiful bit of magic. The second sign, yeah. um, and this is something that, that can happen at a place like Domineher where this flow of synchronicity is, is boosted, is um, I was looking for medical technology that had advantages over Western medical tech. Anybody can see an mm -hmm. energy healer, and that's great, but that isn't scalable. And being a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, I'm like, how do you scale magic? So they, had, um, they have a device called part of a, a category of devices they call Selfica which is a topic, a, a massively awesome topic that just magical artifacts that you can literally buy and use. I actually sell them for Dom and her. And this selfic device can encapsulate your head. You just kind of lean into it and hold a little cap thing above you. And it, it zaps you with prana, which is the Indian word for energy, which is a synonym to chi, which is the Chinese system. Qi is the Japanese system. And so it zaps uh -huh. with prana for 12 minutes. And if you're sensitive, you can feel it and you kind of trip out a little bit. And you see all these circuits and spirals and metal, metal things, and you don't really feel electricity. But if you're energy sensitive, you notice it. If you're not, you just hang out. And what this is meant to do is add new brain circuits, heal brain damage, and cure addiction. Um, and from martial arts and from a brain scan, I actually knew I had a tiny bit of brain damage in the part of the brain that deals with spatial orientation. I used to be great at sports uh -huh. and martial arts, and I got hit in the head a few times, and of course, that's why I'm interested in magic. <laughs> no, that, that affected my, uh, my coordination <laughs> abilities, and I find now that my coordination's a lot better. Um, and you know, for any super skeptics listening, I'd say if there's one magical thing that's worth learning, it's the placebo effect, um, because that's mm -hmm. the most powerful practical thing any of us can, uh, can use, and so... I always jokingly say when we when we cross over and look look at things from the other side, we'll realize like everything is placebo. Yeah, I mean this this world you could say is one big placebo, one big hologram. Totally. Yeah. All right, everyone. I've decided to go ahead and split this episode into two parts because David has so much interesting stuff to talk about. We're going to just. Uh, turn it into two different episodes the next one will be released next week and you can hear the rest of the fascinating information stories that david has to share in the meantime if you guys any of you are interested in 
connecting with David. David has a Patreon page, um, and you can go there, patreon.com forward slash magical joy. And Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash magical joy. And basically what he's uh, decided to offer you guys, um, if you go down to You'll see the different uh, ways you can support uh, David, and if you go down to the one that is uh, that says Sorcery Workshop Series for Positive Heads at 50% off, I'll just read it here. It says, Source Energy is all around us, and through us, you are source, as is the material world. Sorcery has been reclaimed as the art and science of understanding the true nature of power, how to access it, how to wield it, how to be it. In this special workshop series, you will have access to monthly three-hour-long group sessions where I teach, lead exercises, and provide individual coaching every month. This workshop will be priced at $200 upon Magic is Real's global launch on January 21st with the publication of Magic is Real. The $100 price is a special offer for positive heads, friends, and family who find my Patreon page and sign up early. And uh, thank you for your trust. Satisfaction guaranteed. If you're, uh, if for any reason you aren't happy with the workshop, feel free to cancel, and I'll provide a refund. Blessings and magic, David. So, if any of you guys want to join and connect with uh, David in the sorcery workshop series, uh, he is offering a fifty percent discount to you guys to do so. And uh, very, very gracious of David. Otherwise, we will be back next week with the conclusion of this interview. Until then, love you all. Journey well.